Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for checking out Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. Hope you're checking me out on my website, MediaMogul.com, finding me on all my social media platforms at Jesse Mogul, except for Facebook, where I'm at Media Mogul. Don't try to hunt me down as Jesse Mogul on there. I only friend people I've actually met. Today's bl- is the f- episode where we go over my blink of the week. Now, if you had a chance to listen to episode number four, I believe, Ariana Grande, Muslim terrorist attack in Manchester, you probably realize I knew very little about Islam, Muslim, and the whole religious uh, practice of it. And so Blink has a really cool book called The First Muslim, and it's by Leslie Hazelton. And of course, I came across this and immediately thought, great, an opportunity to learn more about Islam, Muslim, the differences therein, and it did not teach me anything about that. I just got done Googling it, and here is what I have now learned, so I always know. Islam and Muslim are both words used to describe the religion revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. Islam and Muslim both have the same origin in the Arabic verb, uh, in the Arabic language. Islam is the act of submitting to the will of God, whereas a Muslim is the per- person who participates in the act of submission. So Islam is the act of submitting to the will of God, while Muslim is the person. So if you're a person who submits to the will of God, you are Muslim, and Islam is what you, is the act of the submission. So if a Muslim participates in the act of submission, then a Muslim is participating in Islam. So the Muslim is the person, and Islam is the act of the submission. Um, it still sounds really confusing, but I can use them interchangeably. Muslims, when you're talking about the people, Islam, when you're talking most specifically about the religion, even though Islam technically is a verb here uh, because it means the act of submission. So now that I've made that even more confusing, let's jump into the blink, The First Muslim by Leslie Hazelton. Um, Now... I'm trying to learn how the best way to go through some of these things but and, and not sound like I'm just repeating what I heard because you really could just go listen to the blink yourself and it would be a lot less confusing. But hey, I'm learning over here, so I hope you guys are enjoying that whole process. Um, Muhammad was not a saint, but yet he was known for his humanity and ultimately exiled because of his message and eventually had to come back and take Mecca by force, by war. Um, he got uh, he he gets his message originally from God. He has to wait two more years for his next message. It's that is a story in and of itself. Um, what's really interesting in the way the blink starts off is it talks about his grandfather, uh, who ruled the the Quraysh, the Quraysh tribe. His name was Abed al Mutalib. Okay, Abed al Mutalib. Now uh, his Abed al-Muttalib, who is Muhammad's grandfather, finds a freshwater spring called Zamzam, which had um, very heavy importance to the people of the tribe as far as a religious connotation to it. Remember, this is back before uh, Islam was even created, so they had a whole different religious system. In order to prove that he was worthy of being the owner, and I'm using air quotes here, Abed al-Muttalib had to show the people in his tribe and that he was worthy. So he asked the gods to grant him ten healthy sons and that he would sacrifice one to the gods at the spring's side. Obviously, in order for the story to happen, he had to have ten healthy sons, which he did. 
when he had the 10 healthy sons, he decided to write the names of all 10 on 10 arrows and throw the arrows nearest to the stone of Hubal, which is a monolith sacred to the Quraysh, which was the tribe that Abed al-Mutalib uh, was a member of, was the ruler of. And remember, in the Middle East, these tribes, it's like, uh, very, I mean, it's very large families because they'll, they'll marry in and out of tribes, but it's just a very gigantic family. Um, and their, their ties to their land and to their name are extremely important to them. Um, so the arrow that lands closest to the stone of Hubal is, of course, uh, Muhammad's dad, Abdullah. Um, he's the father of Muhammad Abbas, who was chosen. Um, so very sad, Abed al-Mutalib decided you know, he had to follow through with this, even though Muhammad's father, Abdullah, was his favorite son. So he's about ready to sacrifice him, and the, the, the other tribal leaders step in and say, look, you needed to go talk to a priestess in the city of Medina, um, which the priestesses were called Kahina. So she was a Kahina in Medina. Uh, I thought that was interesting how that rhymed. Um, he goes to the priestess. The priestess says, slaughter uh, or sacrifice 100 camels, and you're good to go. And so Abdullah, the father of Muhammad, is saved. And so now in the timeline, Muhammad can be born. Um, Muhammad's father, Abdullah, marries a woman. They conceive of Muhammad on the very first night of their marriage. Then the dad goes away on a trade expedition and dies. Because of this and the way that the whole their whole world worked there is that he was technically considered an orphan, even though he still had a mother because the man is the, uh, you know, the patriarch of the family. I mean, still this day, men have way more, way more uh, power, leeway, everything. I mean, women are still considered second class citizens in the Middle East in many different countries and cities. So anyways, uh, I'm rambling on at that part. Um, so Muhammad is he's raised in the desert fate brings him back to mecca basically he's he's in he's in mecca um this woman named halima from a nomad from a nomadic tribe in 570 ad comes to town she basically is like a wet nurse for the wealthy she also takes kids from the city and takes them back to their tribes in the middle of the desert if they're orphans so she takes muhammad and he is raised out in the desert and then at five he is returned to mecca um, when he sees uh, two angels, he has this vision that two angels remove his heart and wash it. And when they wash it, they remove a black speck, which at five years old he sees as removing the, uh, the devil. Unfortunately, Halima, the wet nurse, does not see it that way, and she thinks he was actually visited by the devil. So she is more than happy to drop him off at mom's house. And nothing of consequence happens in this person's life, Muhammad's life, for 35 more years. Um, until God reveals himself to Muhammad um, at the age of 40. And so at um, 610, I have. Yeah, I guess that would be the year, 610. Yeah, sounds about right. The month of Ramadan. Um, he has another re spiritual revelation uh, from the angel Gabriel comes to him. Um, tells me he needs to re recite some holy words to him. He needs to recite these holy words. Um, tells him that man was created from a clot of blood. Um, he takes this information, is rather shocked by the whole thing, goes back to his wife, Kajija, and um, just tries to fully understand everything that's occurred to him. 
Uh, I imagine this must have blown his mind. Um, just because uh, you to ha to have an angel of the Gabriel to come down and give you spiritual words would have just been baffling to someone back then. Uh, well, if I what I really don't know much about Christianity and and Islam, but the angel Gabriel seems, is, is something I've heard already, and I've heard about it through Christianity. And for him to have come down and also been a name recognized in Islam um, confuses me a little bit. Um, I've always believed that all the religions are connected, um, that they all came from just the same kind of sources. There's a story in the Bible called the Tower of Babel where humans tried to build the tower to heaven. And in that process, it anchors God. He comes down and he spreads us all over the planet and gives us different languages so we can no longer communicate and thus cannot build a tower to the heavens. Um, because of this, it really comes down to I think that we're all, we all are from the same bloodline. Um, I mean, if you believe in Adam and Eve, of course, and we were all supposedly coming from the, the same Garden of Eden um, lineage, then we're really just fighting brother against brother and, and sister against sister in this, and that the religions are all generally the same because we all would have come from the same you know, family, and then it, the Tower of Babel and God spreads this around. But anyways, let's get back to Islam here. Um, his faith was tested. Uh, he wasn't sure whether God was demanding or temperamental. He was crippled with doubt um, for what he saw on the mountain and the angel Gabriel. Um, it took two years for him to get another revelation from God, and, and that apparently is called the dark night of the soul. Um, where you're just your faith is being tested and you're just expected if you truly believe in the word of God uh, to just believe. Um, a second re revelation came. Um, it was called the, the the Sarah of the morning, um, and basically he was told that anyone who corrupts the earth will meet his end. Uh, which is, you know, considering the wars that have been going on between Islam and Christianity, um, Christianity says similar things, that we're all supposed to be, you know, stewards of the earth. Islam clearly says that if you corrupt the earth, you will meet your end, yet we seem to just go about destroying everything around us and not necessarily caring. But we'll kill everybody who doesn't believe in what we believe. That seems to definitely be something both religions can agree upon. Um, because... Muhammad starts going around and spouting all this awesome religious stuff. Um, there's divisions with the, within the tribe. Angel Gabriel comes, told him to. Have, Angel Gabriel comes back, tells him he needs to have dinner um, for his tribe. All everyone is supposed to show up, and he's supposed to recite his revelations after they eat water and bread and, and mutton, and you know, apparently a delicious meal considering the times. Um, it was not well received on all sides. In fact, Muhammad's uncle rolls out of the party. No more, not believe in any of this. Only one member of his family, a cousin, offers to serve with him. Um, his revelations started to really anger the wealthy and the powerful there within Mecca because they spoke against wealth and power, and they spoke for the poor and the lower class and how everyone's supposed to help everybody else. Um, which totally makes sense. Uh, I think most religions have that as one of their foundational um, aspects. Yet, <laughs> you have a lot of people in this country who uh, claim to be devout Christians, and uh, yet they, they, they say some pretty nasty stuff about people who are of the lower class or not wealthy. Uh, anyways, I digress. That's a whole other story. We have um, Hashim tribe. was They were outcasted from the Hashim tribe. 
by the leaders, uh, yeah, because of blood loyalties held strong, and these tribes have been intermarried for quite some time. Not everybody necessarily believed that Muhammad's tri- Muhammad and his tribes should be outcasted. They did ultimately leave for Medina, and uh, because he thought, okay, if I can't convert my people, I can convert other people. He goes in there, and he com- and to- he goes to Medina to convert. Um, they they invite him to Medina as a conflict mediator. He goes there to convert people. He starts to convert, joins the Medina tribes through a military coalition, saying if anyone tries to fight you and vice versa, we'll stand up for one another. Um, yeah, leaving Mecca obviously isn't easy because, like I said earlier, when you have these long-standing roots, then you can't just leave. I mean, the people in, in his the people that were loyal to him wanted to to leave. And it did not go well. Inasmuch as members of the other tribes, members of the, the families that were being taken from Mecca and moved to Medina, were going after some of the people and bringing them back. In fact, Muhammad's fourth wife got brought back by her family, and it took some time before they finally said, okay, you can go back and be with Muhammad and, and his tribe uh, there in Medina. Um, this story it's moving so quickly um, and it's still uh, you know this is just I mean very informational I, I found the whole thing to be quite um, just alluring I would love to to have the time to read the Quran um, so the tradition of staying where you were born and, and having these strong loyalties to your family were obviously tested some people were allowed to leave others were not once in Medina it became very easy for Muhammad, and I use easy in air quotes here, relatively easy for him to start converting people of Medina. Um, he put together his own army. Mecca obviously had his. Lots of skirmishes ensued. People fighting, no, we're not going to believe in Islam. Yes, you should believe in Islam. Um, ultimately, they even have a date for this, which I think is pretty great. On January 11th, 630, um, finally Muhammad, uh, a, a tribe that the Medina tribes um, supported, but um, went to have a skirmish with uh, another tribe that the Muslims uh, the in, sorry, not the Muslims, the tribes within Mecca supported. And because of this, Muhammad said, I've had enough. It's time to finally take Mecca over. He gets his army together. He goes there on January 11, 630. He sieges upon the city of Mecca and wins. And he becomes the leader of a new religion, Islam. Because of that, everyone converts. Um, so that's 15 minutes of me basically doing a review on a blink that takes about 15 minutes to listen to. Uh, what I'm trying to show is my effort to learn more about Islam and as the religion and the Muslims who participate in that in that submission because there's way too much division within our country and you got to understand I mean since you know January 11 630 whenever Islam became the the, the religion um, Muslims became what they were within Mecca you know that's 630 years after Jesus dies and since then, from the from the very get-go, there seems to uh, be battles within Islam and Christianity over land. Uh, when I read uh, a great book called The Emperor, and I can't remember the name, but I know the very first of the four-book series was called Emperor. 
this book starts in the Roman era and it works its way all the way up to World War II. And in the process, I think, I believe book three spends a lot of time talking about the Christian and Islam wars. And basically what it is, it's one of these alt history books where it uses real life historical events, but it, it tells it from the aspect of characters that aren't famous. In fact, they make these characters up, but they're characters that could have existed then because it's just, you're taking these real life events and creating a story of the people who were actually the moving pieces in all of this. Um, you know how Hadrian's Wall was was surmised, and, and how the, the these the weapons, the weapons of mass destruction again air quotes that you know back then you know trebuchets and gigantic crossbows and, and cannons were all the rage. Um, but you, these wars between Islam and Christianity have been going on now since the beginning of. Islam as a religion, and I don't understand why we think we're going to be able to snap our fingers and and turn all of these people in the Middle East who have believed in this religion for the last fourteen hundred years to just submit to us. Um, do I think that they probably read parts of their book wrong just as much as we read parts of the Bible wrong? Absolutely, absolutely. That de definitely seems to be something that both religions have an issue with. Uh, at the same time, whenever we as Americans are sending drones over there and blowing them up, um, you have to understand that if, if somebody started attacking us, somebody just started blowing up Orlando because that's what they, you know, for because they said America was getting too big for their britches. It's going to infuriate us. And even if we were keeping weapons in school specifically so that when the you know, Muslims come over here and blew up the school because they were trying to get rid of our weapons and it killed some kids. Of course, we're going to use that as propaganda against Islam's fight against Christianity. So when we go over there and do that, you're you're killing civilians who, and I said this in the Manchester episode for, you know, most people just want to plug into the matrix and be left the hell alone. Um, the extremists who are a part of Al Qaeda and ISIS, you know, they they have a whole different perspective on it. They see it as a war against Christianity and Islam, and they're not going to stop just because we ask them to. Uh, there's always going to be that one remaining holdout who says no, and I'm not going to su submit to Christianity. And that's how they see it. We may not be a country full of rabid believers like we used to be. Uh, religion has not, it is no longer holds that kind of um, abject, uh, like a abject stance in our society, if you will. I'm not sure if I'm using that correctly, but we, you know, back in the day, we were a very religious country, and all these little offshoots, the Protestants and and the, the Christians and Christianity and Catholicism, and even the Mormons, they all just started to break off because they wanted to have their, they wanted to believe in their own thing. Um, but now we're more of a science-driven country even though the newest administration just apparently is trying to discount that um we won't even get into trump and, and that whole shenanigans situation but for the people over there they are still very devout and with with their islamic beliefs and they're still praying to mecca five times a day uh, most of us you know we pray for our, our sports team to win the big game these people over there it's they live eat and breathe their religion and so we need to just come together in as much as that you do you and we do we. Um, and because we insist upon 
being subservient to fossil fuels, it means that we need what they have. And because of that, we got to go over there and screw with them. And if we could just break off from that and be our own thing, you know, for you know the UAE and Qatar and Kuwait and these countries that rely upon our ravenous need for oil, they w- you know, there might be some issues we would end up coming up even with, even if we did stop going over there because we needed oil, they would eventually run out of money because what else is there over there but oil? I mean, there's theme parks. You, know, you don't say, oh, I have an idea. Well, should we go to Orlando or should we go to Kuwait for our vacation? No. So there's still going to be issues even if we do cut ourselves off of their fossil fuels because then how are they going to make any money? What else can they produce? You know, you look at, um, you know, someplace like Qatar, Bahrain, they've got so much money because of the oil and, you know, they their citizens do very well for themselves because of the money that's brought in. And so some of the richest people are from Saudi Arabia and what they've been able to achieve. And don't get me started on the UAE. I mean, that's, you know, that's basically a cartel for oil. So do I believe that at this point, you know, Islam has been bastardized by the fervent fanaticals? Yes. Just like Christianity has also been uh, messed up because of the fanatics. And so what I've learned from this book was besides the fact of what is Muslim versus Islam is that Islam was started with just as much love for the poor and the powerless as Christianity was. I mean, Jesus went around and fed the poor and washed the feet of the sick and those with leprosy and would hug them and kiss them. And that's just an awesome person. That's what Muhammad was as well. And I don't think for a moment that if either one of those two had a chance to come back and see what humans had done with their words and their messages, that they would be happy with the outcome. And I've uh, been towing the line on this the whole time. You can't even draw a picture of Mohammed without having repercussions on your country. You know, I wasn't at Norway or Denmark. Uh, you know, just got waylaid because they drew a, a cartoon of Mohammed. I mean, those offices got blown up. And so you just, you know, they don't, they, you know, the Daily Show can make fun of Jesus all day long, but no one pokes, no one, no one shows a picture of Mohammed. So I think by just talking about him, I'm okay. And I don't think I'll get any repercussions. Um, but if you take anything away from this, it really should be that there are differences between Islam and Christianity because humans have allowed those differences to be what proliferates from the messages. When you have people killing in the name of, are they really doing it for the right reasons? Does it really say in either book to destroy all non-believers? Uh, and if it does, is that really something that you want to believe in? You know, this planet's really, really big. We can all there is room for all of us to believe in whatever you want to believe. If you want to believe in a goat god, then that's fine. Go believe in that. A tree god, a sun god. I mean, we used to have gods for everything. The you know the Native Americans in in the Americas had their beliefs wrapped up in many many gods, and the Greeks and the Romans had many many gods, and now everything's down to these one or two. You know, you, you know the Jewish and the Christianity and and the Muslims. They all have their god that they go after and that's great 
But man's a big world, and why on earth, no pun intended, do we feel the need to kill all those who don't believe in us, uh, who don't believe the same as us, is beyond me. Um, but then again, I'm spiritual, and I believe that the universe is a god, and I believe that the energy the universe creates is what mixes us all up, and uh, that's just how I see things. So I do know the difference now between Islam and Muslim. Muslims are the people who participate in the act of submission, while Islam is the act of submitting to the will of God. So that doesn't seem any less confusing. <laughs> So I hope you've enjoyed my Blink of the Week. Um, it's just my thoughts on, on on the religion. I honestly know many Muslims here in Los Angeles, and I met many when I worked overseas. And we all got along very well. And even though I wasn't um, a devout Christian and a, and a believer in, in Jesus and his words, you know, I still was raised with Jesus in, in the household and in my heart. Uh, we got along just fine um, because when you give people opportunity and they have water and food and you know, think about the, the conditions. I mean, think about Syria and the hell those people have gone through. I mean, for them, religion is all they can hold on to. I mean, think about the Christianity when it first came around. So many people lived rough, harsh, harsh lives, you know, believing that there was something waiting for them above and beyond the normal world. It was they needed that. It was all they had. And in, in so many places in the Middle East, they're still living like way worse than 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 Christianity's the Christians showed up in the Americas. Way worse. I mean, they live in deserts. They don't just have water and rivers flowing everywhere. And when they do, there's extremists holding the water hostage or holding the food that we send over there in relief missions hostage. They just don't. They, somebody else is controlling the flow of resources, and we're being painted as and we're being painted as the bad guys. And also, we send drones over there and blow up buildings that have citizens in them. And so, we're not necessarily helping our cause either so this is it i'm not done um i'm gonna grow this topic more and more i'm eventually gonna have some experts on islam and christianity come on the show and they're really going to be able to educate me and uh, educate you if that's something you're interested in because with me everything is interesting and for you you should be like wow jesse i found that interesting and boom now you know how i came up with the name of the show so check me out on MediaMogul.com. Find me on all my social media platforms at Jesse Mogul. Find me on Facebook at MediaMogul. Um, if you are a believer uh, in Islam and you are a Muslim, then leave a message. Leave me a comment because I know I might sound ignorant, but I promise you I care enough to try to learn. And isn't that what's the most important thing here? Well, I hope that's how you see it because that's certainly how I see it. Can't we all just get along? So that's it, guys. Thanks, thanks so much for listening to Episode 9, my Blink of the Week, The First Muslim by Leslie Hazelton. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.